welcome to the Kaiju Network podcast commentary of 1984's Gojira, which is the official Japanese title. Otherwise known, it's called Return of Godzilla. Um, it's also uh, called Godzilla 1984. Well, just, just um, on In this various one, yeah. circles as well. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, we decided, Jason picked this movie because we we tend to take turns going back and forth as far as who does the commentaries, and I had picked Shin Godzilla about earlier in the month, and uh, we decided that was such a huge mistake. We uh, Jason decided that you know what, let's go back to one of the movies that uh, Shinji Higuchi and Hideaki Anno tried to imitate, which is this film, and so uh, here we are. Um, I have to say just a little bit of personal history, at least with me, uh, as far as this film goes. Uh, of course, like many people here in the United States, my first exposure to this film was the New World Pictures uh, cut um, Godzilla 1985. The one I always kept renting every single yeah, time the when one we were at the video all store. The time. <laughs> and I was first exposed to that movie back in 1994. And... Um, at the time, I didn't really care for it. I was uh, eight, almost nine years old at the time, and I just didn't care too much for the, the darker imagery. And even at the time, the Godzilla design, I thought the Godzilla design looked really goofy. I loved it. And, and I think, like, then I, at some point, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, was the last time I had seen that film. And then there was this long stretch of time before I had seen it. And I sought out the Japanese version of the film, and I watched it in 2010. And, and I remember saying kind of in the early months of our podcast at that time, I told Jason, and then I even mentioned on one of our first podcasts, you know, at some point 10 years ago, I said, the Japanese cut is unequivocally one of the greatest, not just Godzilla movies of all time, but one of the greatest uh, kaiju movies uh, of all time as well. And I still stand by that. This, for me, in terms of Godzilla films, uh, is in my top five, if I'm including just kaiju films in general. I'm not sure if it's in my top five. Uh, I haven't thought too much about that, but it's easily in the top ten, if not top like six or seven. Um, this, for me, is a film that I think holds up a lot better than many other Godzilla films uh, from the Showa era. Uh, this film and I think Bailane are two Godzilla films that I think sort of um, – kind of withstand the test of time even though this particular film deals with cold war uh tensions and that's not i guess you could argue there's still some sort of a cold war going on but it's not like with nuclear missiles and stuff right now uh but in some cases yeah i guess it's a bit outdated but i still think in in some respects it holds up a lot better than uh many other films kind of around the same time and before and since and this is been for me one of my favorite films and I remember when I um, saw Shin Godzilla going back to Shin Godzilla in theaters during its limited run back in 2016 uh, I immediately realized that that film was trying to work with hey pillow master and <laughs> you were about of, to go to bed one of the things I <laughs> want to shout out to is uh, Godzilla fan zero he's watching us live from uh, Periscope slash Twitter right now 
Yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Um, but yeah, I, I realized that film not only was trying – Shin Godzilla, that is – was trying to sort of do its own version of Gojira. Uh, it in many ways um, tried to replicate this film as well because anyone who owns now this uh, DVD or Blu-ray will easily see that numerous moments within the film uh, are mirrored within Shin Gojira. So mm. – yeah. So, anyway, I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah. Geez, I was wondering when you were gonna get done here, but um, yeah, my first um, encounter with this that I just mentioned it earlier was through the uh, uh, video uh, rental store many, many years ago, and I think this was probably, gosh, either the third or fourth Godzilla movie that. Um, I've seen because as we mentioned in our earlier uh, shows that our first Godzilla movie that we've seen together was Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster and then obviously trans. yeah I think this was the fourth one because I think I remember it was um, Sea Monster then I believe uh, Megalon and then, then King of the Monsters, yeah. and then after that it gets hazy. Yeah, uh, uh, for me, I think this was my fourth one, and I can welcome. Hades. And I can remember uh, every time we go to the video rental store, I pick this movie out. I just love this movie so much when I was a kid, and I just love just how the movie went. Even though that this was the the New World. Uh, pictures cut the, the 1985 Americanized version and I like the like the visuals the characters and just the Godzilla design for me by far is what my all-time favorite Godzilla design and out of all like just the regular movies outside of you know the kaiju tokusatsu movies I have to say that the this movie itself is one of my all-time favorites overall. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so are you ready to um, get going with the commentary? Yep, I've got it on the uh, menu right now, and I made sure okay. that I lowered the volume as well as put the uh, subtitles. So it's going to be... I've, Good night, the, Pillow Master. The... Uh, the uh, language is on here. Fortunately, if you want to do subtitles, it's going to have to be like the original Japanese with uh, English subtitles over it. So I've got that going here. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm using the DVD. Um so, yeah. So anyone who has not uh, joined us for any commentaries before, what I do is I go three, two, one, go. Then when I say go, that's when we hit the, the OK or the play button on your player so we can get going. So let me unmute mine. You may want to lower down your volume. Just I'm case. working on it. Give me a moment. <laughs> just as bad as my children here. <laughs> you tell them, Link. You're an enabler. <laughs> Shut the <laughs> All right, you ready? Yep. All right, three, two, one, go. Okay, finally gonna get this right this time. <laughs> We're gonna get gonna get right this time. 
All right, so here I go rehashing. And also, don't uh, don't <laughs> a bunch of what I've said. Also, so far, don't uh, so, just want to point out that I'll probably be eating in the middle of this. So, <laughs> all right, so um, one of the uh, misconceptions a lot of people have about the period uh, between. Terra Mechagodzilla and this film is that they assume Toho, when they got together uh, after Terra Mechagodzilla's theatrical run, that um, considering the ticket sales for Terra Mechagodzilla, I think were the second lowest ever in the series uh, history, even up to this very moment in time, that Toho decided, okay, it's time to put Godzilla on an indefinite hiatus. And actually, that's not how it went. What ended up happening was that Toho was still looking to make Godzilla films. And... um, what they ended up doing was putting feelers out there in various different forms, a lot of them in print and all that to make it seem like, hey, we are producing this film. And so here's an example of some of the films uh, that they were looking to put – that they were saying anyways that to people in ads that they were producing to see if it generated any sort of hype. Uh, such f- hypothetical films were Space Godzilla, Mania's Revenge. Godzilla vs. the Devil, Gargantua, The Resurrection of Godzilla, which is very close and title to what we have here, and a feature version of the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon series. And so, um, like I was saying earlier, uh, I, I think uh, a lot of these, in theory anyway, sounded interesting. Like just straight up Space Godzilla sounded interesting. Meteor's Revenge sounded um, interesting, uh, just because I think Mina's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Godzilla versus the Devil, for as ridiculous as that sounds, I think there could have been something interesting there. And Godzilla versus Gargantua. Um, I, I think um, ooh, it sounded interesting as well. So like one Space Gods the best though. Which, yeah, which, it would have been interesting as a standalone film. So like which of the Gargantuas would he five would be like either one of them or both? I I don't think that's ever been mentioned because uh, in some of my material that I have been reading, this book by David Callet and also by uh, uh, Steve Rifle's book, who still owes me an interview, um, I don't recall – it certainly doesn't say in David Callet's book, and I don't recall it ever saying in Steve Rifle's book uh, specifically which Gargantua. Uh, no one, at, to my knowledge and recollection, really even knows kind of what that would have looked like. Yeah, and uh, um, was I just want to barge in as far as what Hayden mentioned about – like I mentioned in our now cut out <laughs> version of this uh, podcast or commentary was that – I think I might have heard something as far as the Godzilla and Hell uh, mini comic series that that could have been based off of the Godzilla versus the Devil. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that. I would just take it with a grain of salt for right now. I'm not sure if it's like actually confirmed if that was the case. But yeah, it sort mm-hmm. of you know tips along that uh, line. Yeah, and ultimately what brought Godzilla back 
uh, into theaters was Disney. Uh, because what ended up happening in sort of the late 70s, early 80s is that Toho made a deal with Disney to distribute Disney's films in Japanese theaters. And what Toho decided to do was to say, okay, well, let's kind of throw some of our classic Godzilla films uh, into theaters as well for people. And they realized that a lot of the classic Godzilla films that they threw out, that um, they were uh, making just as much, if not more, money. So yeah, you can probably add the Disney films they were distributing. You can at least uh, thank Disney for bringing Godzilla back. Well, <laughs> yes and no. Uh, I think what Dis- Disney was not actively involved. No. Toho just sort of decided, well, we're distributing films, so let's just sort of as primers to these Disney films that we're showing, let's throw out some Godzilla films in there for people uh, as well. Um, it could have potentially happened even if um, Toho, let's say, I don't know, maybe made a deal with Universal Amblin to distribute those types of films like E.T. or whatever. Uh, and who knows? Maybe the same thing would have happened if they would have made a deal with a different uh, studio. I don't know. But what they ended up seeing was that um, their – classic Godzilla films were doing just as well if not better than many of the the Disney films they were distributing and Toho realized hey you know our character is still relevant and so uh, on top of that what Toho was trying to do um, events uh, world events at the time too played a huge part in it Uh, anybody who was alive during the 80s or knows their history um, around the 80s knows that the Cold War really ramped up during this time frame and nuclear weapons were the big thing a lot of people were worried that the US and the former Soviet Union slash Russia were going to throw uh, nuclear missiles and bombs at each other and Toho obviously is like okay well obviously our character our cash cow was born out of you know the H bomb nuclear bombs and um, at the same time in the Pacific Ocean we are in, caught in between uh, these two countries, these two quote-unquote warring countries in the United States and Russia. So part of it, part of that, or should I say a huge part of that is the reason why we have the story that we have here with this particular mm-hmm. film. Yeah, and – Godzilla's Kong is our chance to bring that back. Yeah, you know? and, uh, <laughs> Like a lot of the movies during this time period, including Rocky IV and maybe some of the others I can't think of right now, it's like a lot of those types of movies were based on the high of the Cold War at that time. A lot of action, U.S. action films of the time mm-hmm. did uh, focus on that. Yep. Man, I didn't even realize that with this uh, lice here, that there's. A harpoon sticking right through it. Oh yeah, you never I noticed never that. Never noticed that until now. Wow. <laughs> even though I've watched this movie for like forever, I didn't even realize that until now. 
I'm guessing that they they even show that in the uh, oh the the world new world produ- uh, pictures cut. They did, yeah. Like you can see it in a couple of quick scenes. I guess I never even this bothered. Particular, <laughs> and I would love to do a commentary on that particular film, but you don't have a copy of it, so. Which one? Uh, 1985. Um, I really like this opening sequence here. It's very haunting. It's gruesome. And it definitely does take you back to the uh, origins of the original film. And I guess maybe for anyone who is not familiar with uh, this film and kind of the subsequent films, uh, this film ignores everything from Godzilla Raids again through Terra Mechagodzilla. This is sort of a sequel of sorts to Gojira. So I just want to point out that... um you can uh, follow us or you can follow our podcast networks and as well as the streaming networks. And if I can bring this up, uh, we're not just only available for YouTube or Apple Podcasts. We're available on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and as well for streaming networks, Twitch, DLive, and Periscope. And if I can bring this up, you can also like and subscribe and follow us uh, on these uh, select social media websites. Just search for Daikaiju Network and you can find us at daikaijunetwork.com. Please uh, review us on places like Apple Podcasts. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more prominent we come. We become obviously the the better the uh, reviews. The the more uh, you know. I guess attention we get, so to speak. Please, we would like five stars. Like this thing right here sort of reminds me of Godzilla 2000 in a way. How so? Because when they're at their uh, their house and just doing some of the research and uh, everything, it kind of reminds me of that uh, particular scene. Okay, I hate to do this, but nature calls, so <laughs> forgive me here for a few minutes. <clears throat> see here. Do a quick couple things here. So, right now we're at the scene with uh, Professor, oh, what's his name, um, Makoto Hayashida, interviewing with, uh, oh, uh, Hiroshi right now. Hiroshi's in the hospital right now, and he's just looking at some of the pictures, going through them to see what he saw, and just seeing the original Godzilla, the Godzilla 1954 version, right? Uh. 
Yeah, because I know it's been quite some time since I've last seen the original Japanese cut of this film. And I honestly can't remember if I've seen this particular shot where uh, Makoto is talking to this one government advisor. So the one government advisor, I wasn't obviously in here. I didn't catch his name if they showed it, uh, who's talking to Professor Hayashida here with the glasses. He played uh, Taka Sashima in Godzilla vs. Gigan. He was the brother who was held hostage by Children's Land. Guess I have to... And right here playing the Prime Minister Seiki Mitamura is actor. Oh, crap. I took my bookmark out. Now I can't find it. Talking about. <laughs> Hold on. Give me talking a second. Talking about the uh, Prime Minister, it's uh, uh, Seiki yes. Mitamura. Uh, right, but I'm looking for the actor uh, K- here. K- uh, K- 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 Kobayashi. Yeah. Somehow he's the main character in this movie. But um, he played – and this is a movie I would highly recommend people seeking out if you can. I do have a copy of it. It is an interesting film. Um, It is a film in terms of tone that is similar to this. Uh, It's called Submersion of Japan or or Tidal Wave Mm. or Japan Sinks. It's under those different titles, and it's based off of the novel Japan Sinks, and it's based off of sort of pseudo-realistic science uh, that Japan could actually sink because it sits in the ring of fire, and – it is a movie where if you like this film in terms of its color palette and in terms of its effects and its tone, Submersion of Japan I think could be a film for you. Uh, I've seen it only once, and I do own it. Uh, from a special effects standpoint, it is – an incredible film. Oh, yeah. uh, the the effects work is marvelous in it. It's sort of a mildly depressing film. So if you're kind of like me and and you get kind of wrapped up in what you're seeing on screen, uh, you have been forewarned that it is sort of a depressing film. But it is well acted. The special effects are incredible. It gets a wee bit gruesome in a couple of spots but nothing overly gruesome uh but if you're a bit sensitive to certain types of like i guess gore so to speak there's a couple moments that it gets a little intense uh but it is quite the film and i would highly recommend uh checking it out you're a sucker for special effects me too i bought alita battle angel on blu-ray like five six seven eight oh, months alita? ago i have yet to watch it but um yeah, yeah I've, but I've seen i some uh, uh extra like some clips of that movie it looks pretty damn good i fortunately didn't catch it in theaters when it came out last uh february of last year but um but yeah it's, it it does look pretty good yeah, I've heard a lot of good things, and like I said, I've owned it for a while. I just have not watched it. <laughs> well, maybe you could tonight. <laughs> Tonight's monster movie night with this guy. Oh, didn't you do? Didn't you do and one I, with uh, Son of Khan last night? The other night. Oh, I thought it was last night. We've been night. doing it every other night. Yeah, we've been doing it every other night. He watched it again yesterday during the day. Yeah. So, so what's uh, tonight's movie? 
I am not 100% sure, but I've been thinking about the 2005 extended version of King Kong. Gotcha. I think the last time I actually watched that movie is when we did a commentary of that film years ago. I think so, too, for me. I don't understand why people hate that movie so much. Like, sure, it's long, and if that's something you don't like, you can sort of... I think it's the best Kong. it, It basically goes along the lines of Kong and adds in some of the footage that was actually deleted from the original film and then add some stuff to make things a little bit more sense. But um, I think the story is better fleshed yeah. out. I think relationships are better defined than what they are in the mm. 33. But maybe we'll talk about that some yeah. other time. I thought about doing this with just you and me because I'm just like I need to get away (laughs) so what happened he spilled his canned water all over and I've been telling him before you gotta put it up on a coaster get it up off the fucking floor like get your food off the fucking floor and look what happens (laughs) I'm sorry everybody (laughs) (laughs) it just it burns me up because I, I have these conversations with them daily. Just you can understand why I'm about ready to hulk out. <laughs> anyway, here uh, Professor Hayashida is played by Yosuke Natsuki, and people uh, familiar with Gidra the Three-Headed Monster will recognize him as Shindo uh, in that film. And um, I don't need it wet. I need it dry. (laughs) I'm sorry, everybody. You got to get a dry one. (laughs) I am sorry, folks. Um, He plays Professor (laughs) Ayesh. Oh, son of a bitch. I forgot what I was... (laughs) Let's start again. (laughs) We're not going to (laughs) redo. Oh! Oh, this is a disaster. It was going so well. What the hell happened here? <laughs> you gotta push down on the wet spots. And this was going so well. <laughs> he plays Shindo in Gija the Three Headed Monster. And a lot of things, Hayden. Thankfully, you missed some sort of disasters here. <laughs> um. But he also plays, oh, I forget the detective's name in uh, Dagora, the space monster, or Dogora, however you want to say. You know what? I'm, I'm just so flustered right now just because of certain things happening on my end that uh, – <sighs> <laughs> I wish I had marijuana. All right. So let's just get this going. Uh, Goro, he uh, spots <laughs> Naoko, which is uh, Hiroshi's uh, sister, and basically uh, tells her that he couldn't keep a secret and that his brother is alive and everything. 
I just got huge. And unfortunately, a lot of this was cut out of the The, the 85 version. American edit. And and it's very unfortunate because, and and I've talked about this before on previous podcasts, that I always thought it was weird. Even as an eight slash nine-year-old, when I watched the 1985 version, there's a moment later in the film in which she brings Goro tea. And she just kind of looks at him, and there's no explanation as to why she's not talking to him all of a sudden. And that's because you have all this character building that goes on, and you miss some of these moments, even here in just the next few seconds that you're going to see, that it's cut out of the American film. Mm -hmm. And even other things later on that are cut out, in which he exploits the fact that she thinks her brother's dead. He's actually alive, and of course she's excited to hear that he survived the uh, Daikoku Island uh, incident that happened at the start of the film. Mm-hmm. And obviously she's pissed at Goro for taking advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like in the one scene between where she finds out that her brother is alive and then all the way to the guy at the hospital is opening up the door from him to his uh, hospital room there. Parts of that entire scene was cut out from the 85 version. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now this particular scene reminds me of a point I want to make that I think the 85 film does a bit better. In the 85 film, this whole sequence has some of the ominous soundtrack being played. Obviously, right now, there's no music being played. And I think, in my opinion, the 85 film, by adding some of the score to some of these scenes that don't have music in the Japanese cut, actually adds to some of the tension, some of the atmosphere Mm. that is going on. And I just think by not having some of that music here, to me, it sort of makes this moment less ominous and creepy like it did in the 85 cut. Yeah, because with some of that music that they added into uh, in this scene here that it does make it feel like a little creepy and scary in a way. It's like something's going to happen. Yeah. And something I want to mention while we're still kind of a little bit in the beginning moments of the film here. Uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka, when they wanted to bring Godzilla back, wanted to make a serious film. And I think it, rightfully so, because we earlier had talked about you know how the Cold War had heightened at about this time in history. And here's something Tomoyuki Tanaka said that I totally disagree with. This character, meaning Godzilla, change was responsible for his decline, meaning that Godzilla turning into a superhero later in the 60s and 70s was responsible for the movie uh, attendance declining later. It was a mistake. The fans did not like Godzilla when he was good, agreed Toho spokes 
person, Masaru Yabe. I just want to say, uh, I think it was, not only do I disagree, I think that's wrong. Yeah, I've, I've, it, um, I've, a lot of people, even uh, the community out there and some of the others that they've mentioned, it was basically at the age of when TV was getting popular and everything. And that's when ticket sales at theaters were dwindling because of TV was coming in. Exactly. It, television was the problem. Yeah. Television was the problem, and what ended up happening was that Toho uh, took a page out of Dae's book with their Gamera films. Dae's Gamera films, by and large, were primarily focused, almost from the very beginning, focused on children. And... What ended up happening was that once TV became more prominent within Japanese homes, the adults, more adults stayed home, quit attending movies, and the adults would drop their kids off at the cinema for several hours. And typically what would happen is, you know, several, you know, two or three movies at a time would play. And um, the gods, you know, Toho developed a lot of their Godzilla films eventually to cater more to a younger audience. So, no, I, I not only do I disagree with uh, Masaru Yabe, but also Tomiyuki Tanaka, I believe they are just straight up wrong <laughs> because it was television mm. that uh, hurt uh, Godzilla. It, it hurt not just Godzilla. It hurt the entire Japanese film industry. Uh, the 70s was a terrible time for Japanese cinema. Well, and then, too, they, I think they should have at least had some kind of like research as far as trying to figure out like the decrease and increase comparability to for, for both cinema and TV as well at the time. They obviously didn't do that. Yeah, because they obviously did not do that because, like I said, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Third parties did the research. They didn't. Mm -hmm. And as far as this scene, I'm not entirely sure. Well, no, I'm wrong. I was going to say something else, but it was something <laughs> totally different. But I, I think if I can remember in the '85 version, I think that they didn't mention. I don't know if they mentioned anything as far as the uh, Russian nuclear attack by Godzilla. They did. It's very quick. Um, but it's like in this one that it, they really extended it and go very thoroughly with it. Yeah. That's why Terra Mechagodzilla did so bad. Terra Mechagodzilla, I mean, I think... That TV was a huge influencer, and I think some people on some level were burnt out um, by Godzilla at that time because obviously there for many years you had a new movie coming out uh, every year. There's nudity, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's very brief. It's fake too. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, – I just think it was a combination of TV, but also I think there was a little bit of burnout at the time uh, with Godzilla. Because, look, I mean, Jason and I have talked about it here on the podcast 
uh, quite a bit. And anyone who's been listening to our podcast over the last three to five years at least has always heard us say when we get back from G-Fest that we feel burnt out. And we usually take anywhere between two to four weeks off uh, from our G-Fest um, overview podcast to just sort of unwind and get away from Kaiju for a while. Like even I have found myself burning out anywhere between once or twice a year on this genre because I'm just so saturated in it. Uh, part of it is because we do this podcast. We do this podcast a couple times each month on average, and you just kind of get burned out after And that's a while. kind of one of the reasons why um, we started doing more at least once a month. Yeah, and so I think that was part of the problem at the time too is that there was burnout uh, from the character because originally Godzilla was going to go on a hiatus in 1968 after Destroy All Monsters. Well, then that did mucho dinero, and then Toho decided – why not keep going? So in 69, you got Godzilla's Revenge or All Monsters Attack. And then a year and a half to two years later, Hedora. Then the year after that, Gigan. Then Megalon and Mechagodzilla, Terra. You know, um, I think part of it was burnout. But then at the same time, too, um, you know, uh, just the movie may not have connected with a whole lot of people uh, ever. You hardly watch any Godzilla movies. There was a period of time for me where I didn't either. There, basically, from the time Final Wars was released on home video here in the States, from that moment up until we started this podcast about 10 years ago, I mean, you're talking a period of like five years in which I would watch maybe no more than a couple films a year. And yeah, I mean, there was a period in which I barely was watching anything either. And part of that was just because nothing new was coming out of Toho. Uh, just in general, in terms of Godzilla films, nothing new was coming out. Yeah. And this- basically, the only times I have the time to watch any kind of uh, kaiju related films is when we're doing commentaries. <laughs> Although there was one time I. It's, it wasn't not too long ago when where I watched um, a kaiju movie. And I think that was uh, Key and the Monsters. That was the last time I actually took the time to watch it. And Ashiro Honda was originally um, asked by Tomoyuki Tanaka to... Uh, direct this particular film and he turned it down and uh, it's strongly believed that the reason why he turned it down was that his final Godzilla film that he directed, Terra Mecha Godzilla was very um, frustrating for him Uh, it was frustrating for him because what ended up happening was that Tanaka and just Toho in general, just the studio they kept changing things up. He had certain ideas of how the story and everything should go, and roughly half the time, if not most of the time, Tanaka said, no, let's do this instead. And so Honda just kind of got frustrated and sick and tired of that, and Honda didn't want to potentially have to go through that again. So Honda declined 
um, to uh, work on this film. And obviously, he never worked on another Godzilla film again. Instead, what Honda was doing at this time was that he was working with his mentor, Akira Kurosawa, on several films. Um, and a familiar name. A person that anybody familiar with the Heisei series should know anyways. Uh, he is assistant director on this film, Tako Akawara. Uh, he is director of 1992's Godzilla vs. Mothra, 1993's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Mothra, <laughs> sure, right there. Yeah. And um, 1995's Godzilla vs. Destroya, and he would also be the director to resurrect Godzilla for the first time uh, in uh, Japan in f uh, five years, well, technically before, I guess, uh, with Godzilla 2000 Millennium. Mm -hmm. And that would be the last Godzilla film he would direct. Uh, Akawara uh, obviously learned a lot uh, from this particular film, and when uh, Kazuki Omori and just certain things just kind of petered out with him, with his work with Bailane and then King Ghidorah, uh, Toho came after Akawara, and obviously he was, in my opinion, a good choice. In fact, I've always said on this um, on this podcast, I think Akawara, along with Fukuda, are two directors that really deserve a heck of a lot more credit than they have received from at least Western fan bases. Those two directors, I personally believe, uh, created some fun slash really good films, and I and I think they did the best that they could, especially with Fukuda, with what little that they had. And I, I always believed Akawara was arguably like the second best director mm -hmm. uh, in the Godzilla franchise. However, with that being said, I must say that uh, Koji Hashimoto who is the director of this film did one hell of a job oh, yeah. uh, himself here I wish he could, and I, I wish he could have done more with the Godzilla franchise yeah and I've said it on this podcast before too I find it interesting because this film did do pretty well at the box office it made money um I've always found it strange that Toho never asked him to come back, unless maybe they did and he just kept turning them away. I don't know, but I've never found anything to suggest one way or the other sort of what happened. Mm -hmm. But I think Koji Hashimoto did a heck of a job here, and I think if Hashimoto had come back, this whole mil – uh, not millennium, this whole Heisei era would have looked uh, a lot different and i think in some cases to be honest maybe even better uh Kazuki Omori, who was involved with Biolane and directed uh, King Ghidorah. Let me double check here. I don't know if I don't know if Omori directed uh, Biolane. I know he was involved with at least sort of the production of it. Let me double check here. Why is he? Yeah, uh, Kazuki Omori did the screenplay, and he also he did this uh, directed it as well. Okay, so he okay. Um, wait a minute, no. Produced associate producer directed. Okay, directed and screenplay. Okay, but yeah, uh, and I've 
stated here on this podcast before too i never thought and part of it is toho's fault with king Ghidorah as well because biolani didn't do as well uh, at the box office um i always thought the king Ghidorah film was the worst of the heisei and in my opinion it's also one of the worst of the franchise uh the film after two seriously tonal films you get into this goofy mess of a film Mm -hmm. in king Ghidorah, and i just thought that just was such Mm -hmm. a whiplash inducing (laughs) moment um to me, King Ghidorah is just a, a mess in a lot of cases. I think the kaiju scenes, excuse me, they're really good. But I think the yeah, the kaiju scenes, I think by and large, are done pretty darn well. Um, but everything else involved in that film is just a complete and absolute mess. Uh, and uh, Omori was not involved again, at least in the director's chair with uh, Godzilla after that. Mm. Um, And I just think uh, Koji Hashimoto, if he was able to get more involved, um, I I really think we could have gotten something that would have been different. And I think, and I love Taco Akawara. I've always said, I think... Uh, he's a very good director. Uh, his work in Mechagodzilla and Destroy, I think, are fantastic. Even though I don't think those films are perfect, but I th- think they're pretty darn good. Um, Godzilla vs. Mothra, I think, is an underrated film in the franchise. And I think so is Godzilla 2000. I think Godzilla 2000 deserves a heck of a lot more credit than it gets. Um, but, um, yeah, I just... It's it's interesting Hashimoto never returned. Like I said, I I don't know if he just was never asked again by Toho, and if not, then why not? <laughs> um, and um, and if he was, did he turn it down? You know, it just would be interesting to kind of also find out if he was asked and then turn it down. Why did he turn it down? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've been getting wrapped up in a lot of, uh, you know, things kind of involving surrounding this film and, and all that. We just got done watching Godzilla attack a nuclear power plant. That's the first time ever in the Godzilla franchise um, that that ever happened. And it's kind of strange considering Godzilla was born, you know, of the nuclear bomb and all that, and, that he never in any of the previous films attacked like a nuclear power and you plant. you would have thought that during his entire 30 years up to this point that they would have at least have done a scene where he does do that, but they never did. No. Yeah, and I'm with you, Hayden. I, I do believe the, the Heisei series gets too much undeserved hate. But I will say this. I think some of that dislike or hatred by some fans of that particular era has to do with um, dubs. And that's not 
really Toho's fault per se. Um, those are international does, but I think they did send. I guess in some ways it is Toho's fault because they did send them to this company in Hong Kong that did a lot of the international dubs during that period. Um, but I think the international dubs has a lot to do with what people think of those films. But even then, I think the quality of the dub, uh, while it does on some level influence a person's view of a film, I don't think it's something that should ultimately decide whether or not a person likes or hates a film. Now, I say that and I speak as a person who says, okay, the international dub, which is what we're getting here with the return of Godzilla, in my personal opinion, is not as good as the New World Pictures dub is. Now, does that mean I think this film is worse off because of it? Technically, no. But is it sort of different in a way? Like, does it sort of in a roundabout way change my viewing of it very slightly but it doesn't ultimately change my opinion of the film mm-hmm. i swear i've been talking like for the last 15 minutes straight <laughs> well i've, I've <laughs> at least try to get something man but the but then you always keep interrupting or just keep going so it's like i'm just gonna leave a b <laughs> But yeah, they, uh, they, I, oh. they <laughs> see see what I tell you. <laughs> I didn't know you were about ready to talk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, uh, professor Professor Hayashida just got back from Mount Mihara there, uh, doing some little research along with it, one of his uh, colleagues there, just trying to get some data. It wasn't Hayashida; it was Ken. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My bad. <laughs> For some reason, I was just thinking of uh, Professor Hayashida at the moment. But yeah, uh, Ken, he was uh, uh, with uh, one of the profe- uh, Professor Hayashida's colleagues over at Mount Mihara doing some uh, studying of the volcano, trying to come up with a plan and everything. That's how they come up uh, with a potential plan of... Uh, trying to lure Godzilla or something of the sort. And a person that I think deserves um, an absolute ton of credit, let's talk about the score right now, is Reijiro Koroku. I have to say the score. The score, the score. I have to say the score to this movie is probably one one of the best uh, scores in the Godzilla franchise. I love it so much. The score to this film, by the way, a quick uh, interruption here. Hiroshi Koizumi uh, plays uh, the the geologist. That particular actor we just saw was sort of the the degrading, uh, not the degrading, the vanishing hairline. I think he played the villain in the third Daimajin film, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. And then we saw just a few seconds earlier, I want to make sure I get this actor's I always okay uh here we go uh yoshifumi tajima he played um uh and 
crap, and by, I just forgot and the by name. The, way, the villain. And by and, the way, Hiroshi Koizumi was a colleague of the professor that Kim went to at uh, Mount Mihara. Now that yes. <laughs> remember. Um, and uh, the guy I just mentioned, uh, God damn it, I keep forgetting his name. Um, uh, Yoshifumi Tajima. He played um, Kumiyama and Mothra vs. Godzilla and he also uh, <laughs> he also um, uh, uh, played a lot of other bit roles in some of the other kaiju and uh, tokusatsu films by Toho kind of in the, in the 50s and 60s and what have you um, so yeah but getting back to the score uh, by Reijiro Kuruku uh I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's been a while since I've listened to it, but I remember when I didn't li- listen to it on uh, CD here from the Perfect Soundtrack Collection of Godzilla released by Toho Music. I just absolutely love it. I think it's a score that definitely shows a lot of range. It's a score that has rousing, rousing marches and themes. It also has very somber music and kind of creepy music as well for when necessary. Uh, Akira Ifukube, like Ishiro Honda, was asked to come back and participate in the production of this film. And Ifukube, when he found out that the monster, Godzilla, was going to go from 50 meters to 80 meters, he says, I don't write music for 80 meter monsters. <laughs> Which, I, I'm sorry, I love Ifukube, but this is kind of a dumb reason. <laughs> but... And here we are uh, in this very important scene where both the Soviets and the Americans are saying, look, you got a Godzilla problem. We can fix that. It's something called nuclear weapons. I also yeah, like, you had two nuclear bombs dropped on I, you in the World War II. I always <laughs> like the, the guy that – uh, like the American ambassador and this and that, how he speaks and says, we must need nuclear weapons. <laughs> Sir, this is a direct initiative from the president to the prime minister of Japan. <laughs> yeah. And it just shows you that once again, this is playing into the whole fact that these two countries, America and Russia, they don't have a Godzilla problem in this film. And so it's easy for them to say, look, let's drop nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. But we've seen up to this point in the film with the prime minister, and we will continue to see it. Yep, starting right now with him talking to his cabinet. They are saying, look, Godzilla comes to shore and he could basically ruin Japan's economy. Like everything could come crashing down. Mm-hmm. But if we drop nuclear bombs, yeah, that would get rid of our Godzilla problem. However, what's going to happen with the nuclear fallout? Is Japan more or less going to be inhabitable it, if we drop a nuclear bomb or like, two on like, us? And yeah, we get rid of Godzilla, but what's going like to happen? Is it going to be better or worse? <laughs> right. There is no good answer. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's basically like you're trying to pick the lesser two evils at this point. 
And what we will see here in a moment is basically Japan's prime minister saying to both the U.S. and the Soviet Union, you can take those nuclear weapons and shove them where the sun don't shine. (laughs) Which I think is the right answer, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. Because if I were in that position, that's what I would say. (laughs) And and plus, if you get rid of Godzilla, and if he does minimal damage, then it's like... You're better off with minimal damage rather than having an entire nuke <laughs> blasting everything inside. But the thing is, though, you don't know what he's going to do when he comes ashore. Well, like I, and even if he does minimal damage and then goes back out to sea, you know he's coming back eventually. You just don't know when. Well, I'm talking about as far as what the plan that they have set uh, in motion as far as trying to get rid of them. As far as the volcano You know what thing. you've gotten rid of them? What? You baked a giant cookie. And you had it out in Tokyo Bay. And you used the flares, like in Godzilla Raids Again. And as long as the cookie doesn't get soggy and it lasts a good while, he's content. Sometimes you just need to shut the hell up. <laughs> I'm just trying to provide something where people don't die. Godzilla doesn't die. Humans don't die. <laughs> Boy, look at that serious face. But yeah, it's like in the 85 cut, you never really seen this scene right here where he... No, you don't. Talks to them because I think right after when the Russian ambassador said, "Like we need your response," and then it goes to him making the like the full decision. If you see, and it's very quick, you know the guy, the Russian guy who's later on the boat. He's at this meeting. Oh, really? He's sitting next to the ambassador. Yeah, he's to the that ambassador's left. Unfortunately, right there, the bald guy right there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the 85 film makes it look like the Soviets purposely launched that missile. But here what ends up happening, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, quite frankly, but (laughs) I think it deserves to be mentioned since we're talking about it. The missile gets launched accidentally, and the Soviet is trying to stop the launch. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I never crazy Americans. I never noticed that that one Russian guy that accidentally set off the nuclear missile was part of that meeting. Never knew that yep. up until this point. Yeah, right, Hayden. Uh, Godzilla can't die of old age, and he can't get sick. I mean, yeah, it just well, he exists. When you think about the Storia thing, then. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, he's still saying he can't die of old age and he can't get sick. You can maybe say that uh, he, he dies as a result of his consumption of nuclear radiation, which he because that's just how he is. He needs it to survive. If he doesn't get it, then he dies anyway. Well, maybe over consumption could be some kind of sickness. <laughs> I feel you, Prime Minister. Having a cigarette right now would be nice. 
That's not a cigarette, cat. Yeah, you're right. It's a doobie. <laughs> Yeah, it does make sense now because that vehicle there, I can still see some of the antennas at the front. Front part where they usually had the flags and everything. Bada shevel. Space. The final frontier. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> Yeah, got the power of 20 nukes and destroy you, yep. Yep, it was just a question of was he going to explode or melt down. Yeah, probably the size of the SAR bomb. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the radius for that SAR bomb that Soviet Russia tested. I forget where specifically, but that sucker was massive. Oh no, my fries! <laughs> Uncle Jason, I like that one guy's face. <laughs> the one that was uh, piloting the helicopter? No, the the one of the uh, cabinet oh. members, the bald bald old guy. Uh, was it the uh, the helicopter pilot? He's. That part sort of reminded me of the uh, the Lake Texarkana camera too. Oh my stars! Oh my fantasies! <laughs> oh, yeah, that oh, one. Was it oh my stars or oh my fan? I think it's oh my fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> that one, like even if you watch it straight up, is still goofier than this one was. <laughs> well, anytime if you've watched uh, the Lake Texarkana version of that, I'm talking about the facial expression. Oh. The face expression in that one, even if you watch it straight up, is still goofier than the one we got here. But as far as uh, Gamer 2, if you've seen the Lightex Arcana version, the dub version of that, like so many times, and then try to actually watch the movie originally, still, you, you, know, still, you can't get your mind off of that whole Tex Arcana dub version. <laughs> I mean, you know, we did a commentary of that like four or five years ago, and I still wish we could do a commentary of that. <laughs> that thing is so great. I mean, it just... <laughs> Obitsu. Let's make sweet love after we're done. <laughs> Bring the lube. <laughs> Zip it up, I'm coming in. <laughs> One of these days, I gotta watch that again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> Even when it, after watching it for a, a long time, like it just never gets old. It gets a little bit less funnier as the movie goes on, but part of that is just because those two soldiers are seen less <laughs> as the movie goes well, on. Well, then they didn't. I think they were starting to run out some of uh, 
uh, some of the jokes here and there. I don't think it had anything to do with the jokes. I think it had more to do. Hey, what's up, MP Films? Thank you for joining us. We're at the point in the film in which Tokyo is getting ready for Godzilla to come ashore. They're trying to set up a blockade. Yeah, getting everything prepared by the military or uh, the Japanese Defense Force here. Target Godzilla and Toby. That's what that dubber sounded like. I really like these uh, uh, miniatures and everything that they got. They just look so, like, almost real. There, a lot of the miniatures in this film, I think, are the best looking miniatures you're ever going to see in a Godzilla film with practical effects. Uh, none of the other Heisei films have buildings or vehicles that look as authentic as they do here. And, um, I mean, even the special effects director on this film, Teruyoshi Nakano, who did a lot of the Godzilla films in the 70s after Eiji Tsuburaya got sick and died, even said himself that not only is this his favorite Godzilla movie, but part of that is also due to the fact that they gave him a decent budget for this film. And as a result, he was able to do the effects work that we see here in this film. And... um, I mean, I've I've always maintained that the effects work in this particular film, uh, it still holds up all these years later. Oh, yeah, I definitely. mean, you're talking almost, you know, you know, three and a half, almost four decades later. Uh, it's still, in my opinion, like the probably the best practical effects work like Biolane had some great effects work like the monster Biolane is gorgeous in that mm-hmm. film but I don't think the buildings in that movie look as good as they do here um, I don't think any of the vehicles in that movie look as good as they do here yeah, so the, uh, uh, skyscrapers and everything in the Biolane seem to be a little bit cheaper compared to they like, do look like miniatures. Yeah, so it's like when you see uh, Godzilla walking through parts of, uh, I think it was the uh, Chioda, uh, part of Chioda ward there, that the buildings there look almost identical, like identical to the real thing. Because the bomb was ready to get launched. <clears throat> By the way, this is the Godzilla that's on the cover of the new Godzilla Monopoly game. So as of this recording, everybody, if you have not picked up your uh, Godzilla Monopoly game, you should do so. <laughs> I know some places are sold out. I think Toy Wiz, if I'm not mistaken, sold out. I don't know if Big Bad Toy Store is selling it or not. Um, but I know one of them, and I think it's Toy Wiz. Uh sold out the best thing to do is to get it from the manufacturer you save 10 bucks 
um, you get, I think, free shipping as well uh, for it. And it's a solid game. It's a solid Monopoly game. I got mine um, yesterday. I showed Jason the initial uh, box of uh, the game. Uh, anybody who's wondering what the I almost I held up three fingers the six tokens <laughs> that you can play as trying try, try to make a three point or something there. <laughs> uh, um, the the tokens in terms of characters you can play as you have obviously Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Mecha Godzilla. Rodan, and you will never guess what the sixth one yeah, is. I, was I assumed, <laughs> I assumed it was maybe Gigan, maybe Megalon, but I thought no, it's probably going to be Gigan. I was shocked to find out it's Minya. <laughs> hey, over here! <laughs> Got to fight my own battles, you know. <laughs> Looks like Lincoln's sort of doing the I love this shot. Me. This is one of my favorites of the whole, whole franchise. Yeah. yeah, you can see like where he goes through parts of Chiyoda Ward. Like, those buildings almost look identical to the real ones. Like, especially this building where the Toho Cinema is located. I always thought, even as a kid, this particular moment was creepy because it took a helicopter landing down on a freeway full of cars and it just starts this chain reaction. <laughs> like, it just... And I love this, too. Like, watch this skyscraper fall apart as he runs into it. Give it a second here. Yeah, it's like it. If you saw one of the shots there, you saw the look at that right like there. Like you can see the uh, the Toho logo at the corner of the building there. Yeah, see, look at that. He takes a chunk out of it. What ends up happening in a majority of the films in the Showa era and even after this, that building would have just crumbled in a bunch of pieces in one or two hits. Instead, it's still standing. It's still built, like, sturdy enough to where, like, in reality, if you were to get into it, yeah, it would be a gaping hole in that building instead of just the whole thing collapsing. Mm. Yeah, I would recommend Hayden the the Monopoly. I mean, I I seriously thought about not even taking the plastic off the box. I'm just like, I don't think I want to no. do this. But I'm like, I need to look at what's inside. So what I did yesterday is I took the plastic off and opened it up. I didn't open anything else. I didn't open up the plastic for the money or like the property cards or anything like that, uh, or even like the tokens. And I tell you, I looked at that and I saw like the top property card, which is Lecce Island, at least in mine it was. I looked at that and like I told Jason in a text last night, I'm like, this is the Kaiju game we've been waiting for. Sure, it's a Monopoly version, but this is the Kaiju game we've been waiting well, for. Well, and then the picture that you uh, sent me the other day that the packaging, it looked a bit smaller than the usual Monopoly games, like yeah. variations. Well, I'm... 
I might as well bring it out. This is uh, unfortunately for anybody who's listening to the podcast version of this. I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to see this, but just go to our YouTube page. It's free. Costs you nothing. Yeah. Well, most most <laughs> Here, of our podcast, most you. of the podcast stuff, uh, it's basically free. I just about knocked my own can over. So here it is. Um, I would argue it's wider. It doesn't. But it yeah. doesn't look wider. Yeah, I don't have another. Mono- I got a couple other Monopoly I'm, games I'm, in a closet. For me, I'm just sort of comparing it to that one uh, very old NFL oh. game that we got <laughs> many years ago. I got that yeah. one. That's here. Um, so yeah, I might as well just show everybody. Uh, try walk into mini brick wall, you'll try fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so part of the reason why the box is smaller is because they did a different job in terms of folding the game board. And this is actually this is a Daikaiju Network exclusive. This is the first time I'm going to unravel this game board. Oh boy. So they folded it differently than like traditional Monopoly games. So like if it's been a while since you bought a Monopoly game like me, it's different in terms of how they fold it up. Because it used to be just you fold it in half and that was that. Mm-hmm. So, here you go. Nice. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculously awesome. I'm going to fold this whoops, back up here for a second. Uh, here's the money. Like I said, I didn't unwrap I'm it. I'm very interested in how they look. Why don't you bring it up close? To the camera there. That's pretty cool looking. That's not too bad. Um, let's see here. I'm guessing they're basically all the uh, same, right? The design. The houses and the the hotels are the same. Um, like I said, I didn't take the tokens out, but the tokens I think are kind of small. But I mean, I don't know how much you're going to be able to make out here. But here are the tokens. You look like tokens. And then yeah, here's like the property cards and all that. So, like I said, Lechi, Lechi Island. Nice. And like on the back is the back of like Godzilla Tower card. Sweet. Like, I mean, this this is kind of neat. <laughs> I will say, like I said, I was afraid to even take the plastic off of the box. <laughs> I just. Yeah, I'm... Luminous has a good video on it. Good to know. Check them out. But yeah, like, I just... Um, I mean, I guess you get a closer look on the back here of, like, some of the money and a few of the other cards, like property and, cards. Uh, also, speaking that, speaking well, of which, I watched uh, one of the Dice Tower videos the other day that the makers of uh, the King of... Uh, King of Tokyo, they came out with like a dark edition of it, and they did. I think a dark edition was it glow in the dark? You no, know, it's just it's just sort of maybe a bit darker than usual, and they've got some additional characters, and I think they made a couple rule changes uh, to it, and I think it, it's from the, from the looks of it, yeah. I think it in the way that we played it. Uh, the last time I think it's a little bit better after they've done a couple yeah, of rule changes to it yeah cause we played it what like two years ago yeah over at your place um, 
I was not too keen. I thought the general idea of it was good, but it seemed like it was missing other like rules or strategies that should have been implemented. Um, the intention was there, but the execution was not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I got rid of my King of Tokyo because I just – I remember you and I tried playing that, and it took us a while to figure it out. And then after we did, we were like, this actually isn't all that fun. Like it just oh, – then, And then as far as like the King of New York one that they also have, I think they said that that was probably a little bit better. From what I heard, I think it was a bit of a different setup than uh, King of Tokyo. But yeah, and then we played that uh, Kaiju Crush on a uh, a live Facebook. Oh, the 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 card game. Yeah, it was like it had tiles and stuff. Yeah, then, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, we played uh, played that live on uh, Facebook last year when we were at the hotel. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. That it was Tokyo. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry for somebody who is like associated with the King of Tokyo. Like, I'm sorry, were good. It's just that there, you missed out on a terrific opportunity to make something great you just were missing on a bunch of like different rules or something to actually make it seem more kaiju-etic <laughs> but yeah it's like one of these times I we need to play uh, was a kaiju incorporated which is a card game and which I've got it was, got the last copy of it from a local comic book store it seems pretty promising in a way I'm all for things like board games. I mean, you know, like in terms of video games, we have like a small handful of good kaiju games. Like you have the two King of the Monster games like on Super Nintendo back in the day. And then more, not recently, but semi-recently, you have the Godzilla games on Xbox. GameCube. I think they were even on PlayStation there. Maybe, think. Yeah, had uh, GameCube uh, with Godzilla King Game- of the Monsters. And then the Wii had the third Godzilla, Godzilla Unleashed. The DS had Godzilla Double Smash, which was uh, the ported version of the Wii. That's a decent version of that. Don't forget uh, I had the uh, Game Boy it. Advance version of... Uh, oh, yeah, I have that one. Godzilla uh, Domination, which is the ported version of King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's decent, uh, especially for a handheld anyways. Um, and then the PS4 of the uh, Godzilla, which that one. I good. heard that really. I I heard people weren't too keen. I on actually that. Play, uh, really like it, especially when you play as the 2014 Godzilla on it. It's pretty sweet. Um. So I mean, in terms of video games, we have a decent library. It still would be nice to have, but from a video game standpoint, we're sitting okay. Uh, but it would be nice to have something, you know, in the realm of physical games, like a board game or, or like a card game in which you have something that's incredibly, like, great. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite anthems, and I think it, I would argue it's one of the more recognizable 
uh, marches or anthems in the entire series. Yeah. It's like I remember in the uh, the 85 cup when they whenever you see that then after you hear Godzilla's howl and then all of a sudden it just blurts out. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I have to just compliment Teruyoshi Nakano on the practical effects work. I mean, the skyscrapers surrounding Godzilla, not only how realistic they look, but how enormous they are. Uh, you don't get really anything like that in Biolana. You kind of sort of get a few of them uh, in the ending battle of King Ghidorah, but again, the way they fall apart is really really unrealistic yeah, especially the uh the, uh was it the tokyo government building and Godzilla versus king Ghidorah. yeah that just looked really it fake. always reminds me the building puzzles yeah. <laughs> it looked really really cheap and then that's i think the last movie until godzilla 2000 in which you get practical like skyscraper miniatures yeah Another thing that we see here uh, that reminds me is that for the first time since uh, uh, certain features of Godzilla are brought back. Ears are to the suit. That's the first time since uh, that it happened. Uh, also, four toes are put back onto Godzilla. And more of a staggering plate um, configuration mm-hmm. is back uh, on on Godzilla as well. Yeah, and some of the uh, parts of the Russian shots there where they talked about that. Uh, Bastard, this is really bad. It's like some of those weren't even shown at all in the 85 cut. No, no because we're Americans and those dirty, you know, like... <laughs> Bad guys. Okay. We'll look into it. Tell them to go high under a desk. <laughs> yeah, that always works. That's better advice than hiding under your desk. Holy crap. Like, <laughs> that had more to do with tricking children and base them sort of this f- false assurance that they're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, Even when I was a kid and I learned about that, you know, either through like uh, films that I saw or whatever, I'm like, that's not going to save you. <laughs> Even if the roof of your school came crashing down, that's not going to pr- – the desk is not going to protect you from the roof crashing on you. <laughs> Dumbasses. <laughs>
had too much sake. <laughs> Sleep that off, Godzilla. Need to lay off for a while. And so, again, here, like, the way that building crumbles, and the fact that it doesn't completely... And just the way it um, looks from the inside there, too. Yeah, not hollow. Quick, lay down over your <laughs> over by the locker. The roof will fall. <laughs> your back will save you exactly. <laughs> We're like, hey, let's go. Let's back, back shoes. <laughs> hey, let's go in a lead covered refrigerator, and then the uh, the atomic bomb detonation will save you, like an in Indiana Jones. Movie. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, that sounds like Indiana Jones. I haven't seen that fourth one, but I've heard that, yeah, like, you get in a refrigerator and apparently that will save you from an atomic blast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I own that movie. I like, I got the Blu ray, you know, set up. I have not seen that one. My God, you're missing out because I saw that in theaters years ago. I, um, I mean,. <laughs> I am a mild Indiana Jones fan, but I'm not a huge fan, so obviously I'm not flocking to see those films. In fact, I will tell you this. I bought that set, like, or something like that. I have not watched a single film out of that set since I bought it. So, I mean, I've seen some of them. Like, I've seen, uh, I have seen most of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I think I've seen most of Temple of Doom. Oh, well, it's just like me with the... Uh the 66 Batman series that they gave me. It's like, I've never even watched those yet. Oh my gosh. You know, that's, a, I mean, when I was a teen and in my like early 20s, I always uh, hated that series because I thought it gave Batman and superheroes in general a bad name. And then I just decided to purchase that set and I watched I'm like, this is genius. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you when I say that that Batman series is my second favorite TV series of all time. <laughs> I, I love that series. Last Crusade is your favorite? I did like Last Crusade. I mean, that's the one I've seen the most. Uh, I know, I think a lot of people sort of are meh on that one. Uh, but I didn't, I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. That looks like a screen, but it's still a pretty good attempt, nevertheless. Yeah, yeah and that one sh uh, shot that they had that going over and then seeing some of these vehicles and stuff, you never saw that in 85 cut. <laughs> it been funny, it's like, when he points it up and then all three of them, yeah, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I've thought of that before in the past when I've seen this movie. It'd be like, that'd be funny if he shot it, but it didn't stick to the window. It went all the way through, and because of where it landed, it would have pierced Naoko and like gone all the way through her. <laughs> you just had this bloody hole through her. Oh, God. <laughs> we need to have a podcast episode of like kaiju what if moments and we go through all the films and we're like okay instead of that happening here what if this happens <laughs> well, i know we do do that quite a bit <laughs> mainly when it comes to the commentary stuff
Also, another thing that I just came up to mind. <laughs> so, you know, when uh, uh, Hiroshi com- I would love in, to do it, Hayden, but that would be a multi-part podcast. <laughs> it's like, you know, that uh, like another thing I had in mind is when Hiroshi comes down to bring, bring down uh, or tries to rescue them and everything. He comes down. Uh, they, they grab him to bring him in and like the way that his ass was and then the whole glass shards was like could potentially slice his ass. <laughs> I, know where, I knew where you were going with that. Or or what would have happened? You know, they shot the deal, it landed on the window and it broke the glass. And then the helicopter door is open with Ken there, and they fly. The helicopter flies by the window, and he just goes. <laughs> and they just fly by. They don't rescue them. He just flies <laughs> off. <laughs> it's like you guys are on your own. <laughs> he just came by to like say hi. <laughs> it's like look at me. I'm in a helicopter. Where the hell are you? <laughs> he yells that he takes out a megaphone I'm saved what are you gonna do (laughs) (laughs) or he says you guys are saved (laughs) good luck or it's like you guys are a bunch of dumbasses still being in a building (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing in there (laughs) it's like it's like trying to get all the way up to the top floor isn't gonna do jack shit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys realize if you stay in there you're dead right? <laughs> I mean Godzilla's tail already knocked out parts of the building so it's like you guys are and fucked then they, <laughs> and then they take the helicopter they go over by the uh, incapacitated body of Godzilla and they just start like shooting it like wake up like go over to that building and try to get Godzilla to go over that building or or just like or just like use the uh like the uh the the radar noise gun that they has like try to direct Godzilla. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, we're over here. Come to, come to this building. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut to like a commercial. The Hardy's big one. You want it, don't you? And Godzilla's like, <laughs> along with his uh, big can of Coke. <laughs> By the way, I didn't realize it until I wrapped it up. I was drinking a Dr. Pepper just before coming up here to do this podcast. <laughs> Which is a big sponsor of the the movie at the time. And especially it had a American lot of product Pepper. placement in the American version. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I cannot believe it. We forgot it. This film is the debut of Kimpachiro Satsuma playing as Godzilla. Yep. He would go on to play Godzilla up uh, through um, Godzilla vs. Destroya. And we saw him the he other had- year, too. Yeah. And he played Hedorah in Godzilla vs. Hedorah. And he played Gigan in Godzilla vs. Gigan. Mm-hmm. Stinkin' Lincoln. They're gonna make out. That's right, Lincoln. Make love to me. 
it'd be funny if they did. <laughs> I mean, you have that sense of feeling in the air. I don't think Dr. Shirigami would approve. <laughs> or Because she plays his daughter in the next film. <laughs> or her brother. <laughs> I would say something, but I'm not going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be funny if he says, you won't die, and then all of a sudden you see, like, from her back, a hole in her back, and he shot her. (laughs) 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 And then he just goes, (laughs) Renfield from Dracula. (laughs) Good grief. Nothing happened. Uh, the missile intercepted the other missile and it blew up. Just outside of Earth's atmosphere. Look at all those pretty colors. I don't know. You decorate? <laughs> it's radi- radioactive fallout. Because they were nuclear missiles. See, that's a beautiful shot. I do like that. It ain't Christmas yet. (laughs) That'd be funny if Goro was like, Naoko, quick, where do you keep the decorations? (laughs) And she's like, huh? He's like, Christmas, it's Christmas. (laughs) And he starts talking like Jimmy Stewart. Merry Christmas, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like Mr. Bean Merry Christmas <laughs> Keep us afloat sir Oh no Mother Nature wants Godzilla alive. (laughs) Mother Nature says you haven't had (laughs) enough yet. I always thought it was weird in the American edit, like shortly after you see him get up here, it cut to one of those close-ups of him roaring in Tokyo Bay with the blue light. And I'm like, that doesn't match up with what is going on Mm -hmm. here. I'm so glad that – oh, boy. I'm so glad that's not here. (laughs) (laughs) Because that always – even when I first saw him, like that shot just doesn't match. And I like this because it's very creepy. It really brings a sense. Although the thing is, is that you had all those people. And then I will say, here's well, here's that, a problem with it. Here you have that clear fallout, and not you didn't get a crowd reaction. Well, out and of then it. you had like all these uh, police in rag gear and everything. It's like that they weren't even scared or anything. They just sort of, you know, just had their shields and then just kind of looked behind them and like they didn't, <laughs> like they didn't have any reaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean that that's a that was a problem there because I've noticed that in uh, some of my recent viewings. I'm like, wait a minute, you had all that nuclear fallout. Like, it would have been nice to get like a crowd reaction or the fact that 
you know, wouldn't that affect the yeah. people? Yeah, I mean, you would. They would have uh, ran way. as soon as they saw that. Well, and the fact too that it's not addressed even in Biolani. It's like that's some serious <laughs> shit there. Like that just like that would have long term consequences. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like this uh, whole Godzilla and Super X battle here. It is actually kind of neat. Unlike Super X 2, which, you know, you go into the movie the first time you see it and you're like, oh, it reflects Godzilla's ray back, you know, several times hotter than his actual ray. This is going to go somewhere. And it's like, kaboom, it goes up like a firecracker. You're going, well, that was kind of stupid. Well, that and then the like the outer shell was far weaker. They they didn't even make it (laughs) as protective compared to the original Super X and Super X 3. Like the concept of the Super X two was pretty good, but it it, it was, was just pretty yeah. weak. Well, yeah, and, like and I then, still and then had have... problems as far as absorbing Godzilla's atomic ray. Well, yeah, but that was the thing. Like I still have memories of when we first saw that film, and I'm like, oh, like this will take his fire and reflected back to him several times hotter i'm like yeah godzilla's in trouble now and then it's like it's melting i'm like you know that's an it error (laughs) like someone dropped the ball on the design of that thing it's like you know you know you're absorbing something that's incredibly hot i don't know if you knew exactly how hot but then your weapon is designed to reflect it back several times hotter yeah. than that, I would think you would have some sort of clue as to how to construct that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a real Godzilla foot they made for the film. It's only shown in a couple of brief shots in the film. Uh, and for obvious reasons, because it does look kind of fake. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, Especially, it's like the bottom part of the foot, it, right it was there. like really cut off. Yeah, it's like really flat. Yeah, and it's an actual size of Godzilla's foot in terms of the scale that they have built it here for this film. And it was used on a crane uh, for those scenes there. But yeah, I really like all the like the rubble and destruction, especially like in the like the human character side of the stories. Like they made it much more detailed compared to what we've seen in some of the other Heisei uh, films. To me, I think this is probably the most detailed sort of destruction like sets. Oh, it is all the, in, in all the way up to possibly. Um, let me see. I'm not going to count the the legendary, the MonsterVerse ones, but as far as the entire Toho one, it's probably the best one all the way up to maybe the Shin Godzilla film. Oh, don't you dare bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Hayden says the whole military and Godzilla's Bailani were idiots. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that you can make the argument they were idiots in the entire Godzilla saga. <laughs> so uh, there might be a few exceptions here and there, but like I still like remember that whole scene in Destroy All Monsters where Godzilla, the Mothra larva, Manda, and Rodan were attacking Tokyo. They had all those. Um, machine guns and missile launchers and all that coming out of even skyscrapers hardly any of that hit the kaiju i mean a lot of it i'm sure they probably did more damage to their own real estate than they did to the kaiju and see there was a third shot of that big foot see look at that building like it's partially torn out and again like i said like what you would see out of a majority of the showa era films and even in the subsequent films if that building got hit boom it just came crashing down like paper mache i mean it just whereas this one it looks very realistic in a way I also liked in the very beginning of Godzilla vs. Biolani where they actually showed that exact building the way it was when they were trying to recover mm-hmm. the Super X. And another thing that they brought back for this film that they had sort of uh, abandoned in uh, a lot of the 70s films, uh, and I think even in some of the late 60s films, uh, they brought back slowing the camera down for the kaiju shots um, to kind of give you more of that sense of of size and uh, enormity. I always loved this hobo guy. Uh, his voice here is kind of goofy, uh, and I still think it's pretty funny, but I think it's funnier in the New World Pictures. Waiter, cut. waiter, where are you? The service here stinks. <laughs> <laughs> one for me and one for me. <laughs> Don't act like a big shot fella. You just got to town. <laughs> You want to hang around me? You better learn some manners. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb bastard. That was his last words. (laughs) He is, he has to be like one of the greatest characters in in kaiju movie history. I mean, he really has to be. Yeah. Jeez, and they have like a person there just lying on the ground dead. I never even noticed that. They have a person lying on the ground dead. Is that what you said? Yeah. When they were they going, did. Yeah, like when they were going by. Oh, and there's a holes there in the neck part. Yeah, it's like they just had a person just lying, lying like this when they were about to go up the set of stairs oh. there. I didn't see that. Yeah, I just noticed that. I was like, are you kidding? They actually did that? (laughs) That's been the problem with Toho. Like, it's been mentioned numerous times throughout the kaiju fandom that it's kind of funny how, you know, Dai had these Gamera films 
made for children, but yet they were very brutal in a lot of their kaiju violence. And Toho was so desensitizing their, um, you know, uh, violence in these films. And, you know, even a film like this, from a tonal standpoint, it's actually one of the darker films, but still, like. They, they shy away from gruesomeness, and part of it is Toho's wanting to – they're not wanting to necessarily scare their audience per se, and they're trying to make it kind of kid-friendly too, but – they miss they, they kind of drop the ball on a lot of things I think like they missed opportunities to really show things like you don't have to have your whole movie be about blood and gore but if you show it in a way like the original Gojira for example with some of the horrific moments uh, during and after the rampage uh, you can really send a message home and still illustrate your point um it just it's kind of disappointing really like toho played it safe and just yeah just it's it's very unfortunate i mean i'm not a huge fan of like uber violence in fact i have a hard time watching some of that anymore but like like you just i think there are times in which if you're trying to illustrate a point you know, you, you show it, but, you know. Right. It, Toho, Toho just sanitized their, their property an awful lot. Uh, yeah, well, it's like the way that they were, that they looked like, you didn't see real really any blood or anything. It was just like a person just sort of lying like this and not even moving with just like rubble kind of on top of them. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, like... Like with that freeway explosion chain reaction, um, it's always been implied that people were getting hurt slash killed. And the only other Godzilla movie in which you had any sort of like violence slash gruesome violence on display was Hedora. That was about it. Mm-hmm. And really ever since then, like I don't think even Shin Godzilla had any of that. Um the MonsterVerse has never had that. But, yeah, as, as this, as far as this scene goes, I really loved it, especially when Godzilla was, when you see his head kind of slowly coming up from the horizon yeah. there, and especially in the 85 cut where they had the music going on along with that entire shot, it was, I've, it was awesome. Like this scene in general, I really enjoy. I like it because really for the first time since the nuclear reactor sequence, you get to see his body more or less in its entirety. When he's attacking Tokyo, you don't really get to see much of his entire body much because it's usually hidden behind buildings and skyscrapers. But here you finally really get to see the suit. Mm -hmm. And I really have grown to love this design. My only real complaint are that I think 
I look at the teeth and I think they're too pencil-like. I, I think they could have yeah, probably redesigned it just a little bit better. Redesign it a little bit more. Yeah. But overall, this is by far my favorite Godzilla design. And then detonated all the bombs around the volcano there to make it active. Try to swallow Godzilla up. Hopefully for good, which obviously we know what the spoilers that is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Spoilers, he comes back. (laughs) No way! Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he survives this, I, I'm telling you. <laughs> so. And his cry, I, I that's always gotten to me, like, in this moment here. Yeah. And I think his cry, right as he's dumping into the volcano... Um, or should I say jumping, I'm sorry, uh, into the volcano in the 85 version, I think is actually better because it has that high, like kind of an echo scream, like he's actually screaming. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is horrific. It's not here. It comes close, but they added that in the New World Pictures edit, and that always to me was cringeworthy. Like it just was haunting because it's just like, oh, like yeah. Make out. And then you have the ending here. A beautiful yet kind of melancholy song here. Like this is one I, I'm not a huge fan of sad songs, but if they're good enough, kind of like this one is, I'm sort of attracted to like listening to them, just because it is done so well. Um, but yeah, like I'm gonna turn it off now. Um. Well, and then in the 85 cut, the ending goes on for a little bit longer with um, Raymond Burr's character Burr. just sort of narrating the end part. And then goes a credit. Which is a good narration, yeah. actually. I really liked it. Yeah. And so that is um, The Return of Godzilla. Basically, the Japanese cut. I listened to it with the international dub. Um, I, just so, had the, I just had the original Japanese with the subtitles, which it's like I've got the volume down almost all the way, so I can at least read the subtitles. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Lincoln, what you what, what do you think of the movie? This is like your second time seeing the film now. Number three, good. What does that mean? <laughs> well, you're okay, you like it, but I'm trying to understand the part. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I mean, he enjoys it uh, again. Uh, to me, I, I really enjoy this film. This is uh, one of uh, a handful of Godzilla films I could watch almost on repeat and never get tired of. I, I um, so you're just like me this now. Film, <laughs> this film. 98, 2014, 2019, uh, Mo- uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla and an Astro Monster. Those are the um, – welcome back, Hayden. Uh, we just concluded actually the film. Um, but yeah, those are like the films for me, at least in terms of the Godzilla universe, uh, that I could watch almost over and over again and not get tired of. Um, those are basically my favorites. Biolon I really like too, but unfortunately that seems to have slightly um, – kind of uh, dropped on my list for a, a short bit I, it still may be my top 10 but um i i really enjoy this movie i dig it i think the special effects from a practical standpoint probably are the best out of any godzilla movie that uses practical effects um the score is i think maybe the best uh non-ifukube score in fact i would even argue this uh could challenge a lot of ifukube's work and and hold up really well um it's one of my favorite godzilla scores i love the godzilla design although i'm not a huge fan of like the pencil type teeth but you know that's more of a nitpick at this point otherwise the rest of the design is awesome Uh, i think the characters are done pretty darn well we get a great story and a lot of uh explanations of motivations and we get character arcs and all that Uh, i think it's a really well done film tonally it's in my opinion uh, the darkness of the tone it makes it I think one, if not the best, of the Godzilla franchise. Um, I, I just think, um, I, I just think it is uh, a really well done film. It's incredibly entertaining. Uh, anybody who has not seen it, uh, you really, I think. Th- if I made a list of Godzilla films to show to newbies and say, like, these are the Godzilla films you have to see coming out of the gate uh, in order to not just understand the Godzilla character, but to sort of get attached to the character and to become a fan, um, this is definitely one of them. Uh, Hayden says it's definitely one of my favorites, but not in my top three, but it's up there to each their own <laughs> you know everybody's got their favorites this isn't in my top three either this to me from um you no one probably could hear me earlier but like i was saying earlier um in my godzilla fandomness i think this is in my top five if we're just talking about godzilla films i think this is in my top five but if you start to say well kaiju films and you start to include uh gamma films and you start to include other kaiju films in general that stays in here um it's probably in my top 10 it probably drops out of the top five um but um it's a wonderful film i I think this is a movie that every godzilla fan really every kaiju fan has to see uh and i'm talking about this particular version godzilla or the return of godzilla the japanese cut uh whether you watch it with subtitles or the international dub it doesn't matter um 
it's I think it's a must watch Godzilla film. Uh, I I know this is probably sacrilege to say, but I think it holds up better than Gojira. And Gojira is a fine film. Do not get me wrong, but a lot of things within that film are outdated. Some of which are not the film's fault. Um, so, uh, but I think Return of Godzilla still holds up really well. You know almost four decades after the fact mm-hmm. so um definitely you have to watch it if you have not seen it you got to watch yeah. it yeah i mean i can't say anything much further besides this still being my uh, all-time favorite godzilla film and one of my all-time favorites in general i just love every minute of of watching this uh, version of the film i've Mainly due to like the 85 cut, but as far as the original uh, Japanese cut of uh, The Return of Godzilla, I've seen it at least maybe two or three times and I think it gets uh, better and better. Although there could be some uh, little uh, quirkiness I've seen here and there, but um, yeah, I still enjoy every minute of uh, watching this film. Can you close the door? (laughs) I'm sorry. Please close the door, Lincoln. Lincoln, can you please close the door? (laughs) Close what door? Please close that door. (laughs) That's fine. I'm just asking you to close the door. Doggone it. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's like, what, the third or fourth time this podcast has this happened? I really have to reconsider whether or not I include them on these now. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, um, yeah, this is a wonderful film. Try it. Check it out. You have to check it out. Um, it is a so must to check it out. Want, do we want to go ahead and do what we've done and figure out a date and a movie for our next commentary? Um, well, as I think we've done quite a bit of commentaries. I think we should maybe do a regular podcast show next time. Oh, uh, Oh, actually, I do have my phone up here because uh, I had some ideas. I hope I wrote them down. I know I wrote a few down. I don't know because uh, I had some ideas. Yeah, because I, I think we've done maybe three or four straight commentaries already. I would like to try to yeah, do something, um, try to get back to the regular schedule here. Okay, so I have like four things, four ideas um, for potential ideas. I'm not saying we have to do them or anything like that, uh, but they were just kind of some thoughts. Why won't you close? Um, so, ah, come on. Um, so here's like four ideas I have had down. Uh, for a while, I had another one. I think I told you here the other day, and but I didn't write it down on this. Um, one idea would be having an episode as far as like what would be the best solo Godzilla or kaiju films. So basically, like the best solo kaiju films. Um, 
uh, we could have a, also have another podcast where we discuss why did the Godzilla character endure while others either didn't or didn't uh, endure as well as Godzilla. Uh, we could also have just different podcasts where we discuss the Japanese versions of such films, like the Japanese version of King Kong vs. Godzilla, or Varan, or Godzilla Raids Again, and other films in which there's a Japanese cut. Um, and then the last idea I have on here is covering each decade and discussing themes within the movies, etc. Um, so those are some ideas that I have had. Like I said, I should go back in my text messages here because I think there was one I brought up to you. Yeah, we can probably here, like within the last. We week. can probably discuss those later on. Maybe um, whenever, like after the this episode, or maybe tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, we can probably while testing out some more of this uh, streamlab with the audio issue we can maybe talk a little bit more about it yeah and like you actually um uh the other one i had was that uh potentially uh discussing films that are having big anniversaries like this year would be the 20th anniversary of mega gears um, yeah, because I know it would be sort of a rediscussion of that. Because I know um, we did like um, in the early days back in 2013, we did the 80th anniversary like of Con Month, where we basically for an entire month discuss anything Con related stuff. And I think we did commentaries of them all too. <sighs> Some of them, I think. I think we did commentaries for all of them. <sighs> I'm not. Because I remember you and I, I, I know we definitely did 2005 because we were together. Well, I know, I know that. I know that, but I'm not entirely sure if we did all commentaries of those. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Actually, I just had my document. Oh, I closed it. There <laughs> um, you go. <laughs> But yeah, uh, those are some ideas. Uh, I, again, I'm all f I mean, I'm up for whatever, but I'm even up for doing more commentaries. Um, but um, yeah, um, I think part of the reason why we haven't done some of the discussions is because you don't have some of the movies like I have. Like I have Coloss – I still have not watched that. I bought that new when it came out on Blu-ray. Um, but I have not watched it. Part of it is because I wanted to watch it when we were getting ready to discuss it uh, at some point, and you just haven't had it. Oh, um, so, especially with what's going on, because I'm based here in Minneapolis and like in the Twin Cities area, and you know, sort of the recent going ons that's been happening, and like uh, one of the pack, it's like I actually had a package coming, and it was. From Amazon is like a few bucks, but unfortunately, that there is a problem, and it's being returned with a refund coming in a few business days. Oh well, that yeah. sucks. <laughs> I mean, if you want, um, we could even like if you could rent it or through Prime, if you can it's watch it. Like, have to come do a few, like colossal. It's probably gonna have to come to that point with the current situation and going on. Because, I mean, uh, it's like I recently rented uh, that new Scooby-Doo movie from Prime mm -hmm. and stuff, so I at least have done that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, uh, like I said, I've ha- Colossal's been around for, what, at least two years? And like I said, I have not yeah, watched yeah. it yet. Uh, that could be something we could do, too, um, or even look into some other ideas, uh, other films um, as well. Mm-hmm. So. I think – why don't we just do Colossal? Just get it out of the way. Do Colossal? Yeah. Okay, I so... I'll probably rent the movie uh, one of these days, maybe a couple of days beforehand. So, so then okay, I so let me bring watch up my it. notes here. Um, let me bring it up here. So what date are we looking at potentially um, doing that here? Today is the 30th. It's the second and last day of May. Hard to believe it's that time already and here we are gonna be in June Monday open up okay colossal cross that oh come on I gotta enable editing oh, for Pete's sakes I did it in this particular version of Word oh we already did Magic Serpent I didn't cross that off for some reason yeah you remember we did an entire month of Magic Serpent <laughs> well yeah didn't you say you watched like what was it Invasion of Neptune Men here the other day the MST3K version of it oh Okay, well, then you're not going to get a full. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I know a lot of those uh, old 50s classic type of uh, films they have for uh, for free on Prime. Like uh, the Angry Red Planet and some of the others, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll do Colossal. Uh, what date are we looking at? Mm, let's see here. Should we do... When is Father's Day? Father's Day is, is the 21st. The 21st, it says. Okay. Uh, I don't want to be doing it on the 20th or the 21st because I think my in-laws are coming to visit that weekend. Okay. Mm, maybe I probably would say the 17th. Not seven. Not seventeenth. Uh, Thirteenth. Um, I can do it thirteenth. Yeah, because as of right now, I don't think there's anything uh, planned really. Because I know like, <laughs> probably after uh, Father's Day, and then you got the twenty seventh, and then obviously the Fourth of July, and then possibly of me potentially coming down for coming over for a week. Because if, if if I do, we probably will have like if you want to do like the three day sort of thing. Um, oh yeah, the yeah we pro- probably would have we need we probably to would have be thinking about whether or not we want to do that. Well, hear me out. <laughs> if we were planning on doing that whole three day thing, we probably would have to actually do it from Wednesday to Friday. Because then the uh, Saturday, I probably will have to start heading back. So then I'll probably have to head well, yeah. to Chicago, and then I'll have to be back home by Sunday the 12th. 
Yeah, my point, though, is that if, if that's something we're wanting to do, we need to seriously consider um, putting in um, some... Um, if we're going to do it, we need to figure out if indeed we're going to do it. Like, we need to figure that out within like maybe the next couple weeks, because what we'll need to do then is brainstorm. Because I had given you, well, and I even have it on our Facebook page, and I even posted something about it on my own uh, page a couple weeks ago now um, as far as just potential ideas of what to do. And if we're wanting other people to join us on some of these, then we need to get going on getting the word out there. And getting people to also do necessary work if they want to join us and get and maybe get just getting things set up like with Google Meetings or whatever platform we're wanting to use to get going. So what we need to do is we need to first and foremost figure out, yes, are we going to do it or not? If so, then what are we going to do? Because this is going to be – I think planning it is going to take – several weeks uh, in terms of not just ideas but if we're wanting depending upon what we're wanting to do it's going to if we're wanting other people to join us then we're looking to spend a week at least just maybe trying to recruit people uh, as well depending upon what we're looking to do so uh, that's something we uh, we need to be considering like we probably what is today the 30th uh, you're looking G-Fest would have been come on calendar G-Fest would have been what was it, the 9th through the 12th? Yeah. So, like, I'm thinking we need to get something figured out probably by probably by the 13th at the very latest because even then we're going to be pushing uh, some things because by that point we're looking at one, two, just over three and a half weeks. And in fact, just under three and a half weeks from when we start to do something uh, like that. So we need to kind of like figure things out uh, either by the 6th or the 13th. 13th at the absolute latest if that's what we're going to do. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and Because then we need uh, at least a few weeks to then figure out what we're going to do and then to do necessary research and planning and constructing of panels and that sort of thing. So that's something we need to figure out. Mm. So uh, join us June 13th for our discussion of Colossal. A kaiju movie that has Anna Hathaway in it, and I've never seen it, so I have no clue as to what I'm getting myself into. Uh, thank you so very much for listening to our commentary. Uh, I don't know why we had that discussion at the end of this commentary, but we did. Um, <laughs> but but uh, uh, yeah, 
come join us June 13th for our discussion of Colossal. And before we sign off, I just want to uh, uh, point this out again. Um, if you haven't uh, done so, make sure to subscribe subscribe to us on these uh, following podcasts and streaming networks. Uh, on the podcast audio side, it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. And as far as the video streaming networks, obviously YouTube, and then we have Twitch, DLive, and Periscope. And then if you want to follow us via social uh, networks, uh, you can follow us at these uh, social uh, certain social uh, networks just uh, search for Daikaiju Network you should be able to find us there and uh, you can visit us at our own website over at daikaijunetwork.com and I recently wrote an article there it's the first one since my open letter to the GFest committee uh, I released it here I think earlier in the week I even posted it on Facebook which I think also posts it to our other social networks if I'm not mistaken um, so yeah it, it, my article is about the importance and uniqueness of Godzilla Raids again um, so check that out alright so it is June 13th we'll be doing Colossal so thanks for watching everyone take care <laughs>